Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Activate Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Activate. We are just a few weeks away from actual Christmas, you know? So a couple of weeks and a couple of days away from actually having Christmas. And I don't know how you feel about that. I I tell you this, this is the truth. I've done no shopping. My wife has done no shopping. And I'm strangely calm about this. I don't know why I feel at peace, but I am. I am totally at peace about the fact that we have not done any shopping. And um, that's kind of unusual at Christmas time because you know what? At Christmas time, people can start to get stressed out for all kinds of reasons. Now, how many of you, by, by the way, how many of you have done your Christmas shopping? Okay, so that's not many of you. So a lot of you are in the same situation as me, right? Uh, here's what I want to tell you. Don't stress out because statistically, 23% of you are going to re-gift what you're given anyway. Did you know that? Did you know that? So in, in Australia, the, the people have done research on this, and they said that 23% of Australians will re-gift a present, but they'll do it unwrapped. So they're not even going to open the present to see what it is. They'll just get it, say thank you, put it away, and give it to another friend, you know? So, so you know, I don't know if that puts peace into your heart or not, but that's what it says. 2% of you statistically as Australians, 2% of you will just throw your presents straight out, you know? So if you're worried about to, what to buy someone, it might be that they're just going to throw it out anyway. So 2% of you will throw your gifts straight out. And, uh, and, and, and how about this 19% of Australian people will stress about getting a bad gift. So you'll be worried about actually receiving a bad gift. And I'm, I'm telling you this, I don't know if you've ever felt the pressure of unwrapping a gift in front of the person that bought it for you. Have you ever felt that? And, and you just want it to be a good gift because I don't know what you're like, but I'll be honest, I can't fake it. I am really bad at faking it. It's like, oh, how did you know? So it's, you know, I, you, maybe you're better at it than me, right? But if you're one of those people that are, that are stressing about getting a really bad gift, I want to share a little story with you just to comfort you, just to bring you a little bit of peace tonight. Whatever gift you get, I promise you, I want you to think about this at this very moment, uh, at the moment that you're unwrapping a present. And this may put a smile on your face. This may help you to fake it if you get a bad gift, okay? So if you ever thought that you got a bad gift, I want you to know what I was given one year. It was Christmas time, and, uh, and we were unwrapping presents, and a family member of ours gave me, and I think I was probably about 21 at the time, she gave me a coloring in book, a WWF, like wrestling, like a, a wrestling coloring in book at age 21 and you just can't open that and say how did you know and actually mean it you know because you know I did not want that I could not believe that they gave it to me right now if you you think that sounds bad all right I'm gonna go next level on some of you guys tonight so I I I got the coloring in book and I was like oh wow look at that I began to flick through it yeah, some of the pictures were already colored in, you know? So, so I, I was looking at that, and I could not believe that how average this gift was. And I was feeling really bad about it. And then my younger brother, he opened his gift. Do you know what he had? 
he had the used pencils that were used to color in my coloring in book, right? So, so if you ever feel like you're in danger of getting a really bad gift, I want you to know that you are not alone. Maybe just thinking about this story will help you to put a smile on your face so you can fake it. Oh, thank you so much, you know? So, so anyway, that is my own bad gift receiving story. I talk about stress at Christmas because, to be honest, I think Christmas is so easy to stress about, really easy. In fact, I was doing a little bit of research about how people feel about Christmas. And what the research says is that most people, they have an optimism bias and a planning fallacy. In other words, they think that Christmas is going to be really great. So they they say like, Christmas, oh, it's going to be so great because you get excited about it. But there is a total lack of planning about what to do to make it great. So expectation, reality, you thought it was going to be good, but you didn't plan. And now you're stressed. And uh, maybe you're not, maybe all of that stuff, it just belongs to your parents and you're like, that's their business. I don't know, you know. But the truth is, is that Christmas stresses out a lot of people. And I want to preach a message to you tonight called Peace on Earth. Peace on Earth. So I don't know what stresses you out the most. Uh, For you, it could be uh, just the crowds. You know, crowds at Christmas. You know, you go out to the shops and there's just like people everywhere and it's very crowded, you know. How many of you just love the crowds at Christmas? One person, well done. So, so most people do not like crowds, you know. It's easy to, I think sometimes when you're surrounded by people and it's crazy and it's busy, sometimes people get anxious about that. If the crowds aren't busy enough when you are in the shopping center, I think that sometimes in the car park you have to face the cars And for some of you that have your driver's license and you have to fight it out to get a car, park in the car before you even go into the shopping center. Sometimes it's the stress of finding the car park. Sometimes it's the cash that you're going to spend when you go in there. So for some of you, it might be the crowds. Maybe it's the car parks. Maybe it's the cash. You're trying to spend money that maybe you don't have to impress people that you think need to be impressed or you just feel the responsibility to buy a special gift. But whatever it is, right, there are so many things that stress people out at Christmas. Just that kind of time. It's just that kind of season. I was getting ready um, to to take my kids to school earlier this week, and that never goes to plan. And so I was uh, getting ready at one of the house, and I heard like a terrible scream, a horrible scream. And I, you know, I got to go down there and investigate what it is. So I go down there and I, I walk in and there is my daughter, my beautiful angel of a daughter, Eliana. All right, and she is sitting on the ground, and she is like, uh, like scream crying, you know? And, and so she's kind of scream crying, but she's been doing it for so long. She has this like continual line of like slobber that is just connected to the floor, and, and, and it stays there, you know? And, and it's just like a fountain, you know? So I walk in, and I see this, and I think, oh my gosh, like something terrible is happening. Here she is. She's on the ground, and you know? And so I said, what is going on in here? And my son Isaac was the only other person in the room, and it's a pretty good chance that he's involved in this. So, so I, I said, what is going on in here? You know, I said, Isaac, what has happened? And my son Isaac, he says, you really want to know what happened, Dad? I said, yeah, I want to know what happened. He says, well, I'll tell you the truth. He said, Eliana, she, she asked for a, a crumpet. You know, and I was like, okay, okay, all right, so, so good so far. I said, what happened next? And he says, well, I, I gave her a crumpet. Okay, uh, and what happened next? Well, I asked her what she wanted on it. I said, all right. And 
what did she say she said she wanted honey on her crumpet i said okay where's the story going so so anyway so what's she crying about because she's crying because i put honey on her crumpet and after i did she didn't even want it and i'm like are you serious i'm like the blood curdling scream that i'm hearing right now is because she is screaming about the fact that there's honey on her crumpet it's like you know, sometimes I just think, I'm leaving you, you know? Like, it was just, you know, you guys, you have this end of the house. I'm going to have the other end of the house. Here's the border. Don't cross it. Leave me alone, right? Because, like, honestly, like, really, I mean, even when you're a kid screaming about a crumpet, I would suggest to you is a disproportionate response to the stress of the situation, right? But let me tell you this, right? People get unreasonable when they respond disproportionately to stresses that they feel. How about this? Did you know that you know, statistically 16% of Australians are totally stressed about having to attend a Christmas party? I don't know if it's the stress of being in the environment, or having to connect with people that you don't know. Maybe it's to- talking to total strangers, right? But, but it's a stressful situation, right? And my question to you guys tonight is, how do you handle your stress? That's a really important question. How do you handle stress when it comes into your life? A lot of different people will find a way to medicate for the stress that they have in their life. Did you know that at Christmas time, the consumption of alcohol goes through the roof? People just start to drink more. And they drink more because they're stressed about what's happening. It's, it's not just because they're partying and having a good time. They drink a lot because they're stressed. And people have learned to self-medicate their stresses by dealing with it any way that they can. I can talk to you about this. I mean, honestly, if I was to tell you my life, like, you know, uh, 18, 19, age 20, age 21, there were things about my life that I didn't like. And I heard things inside of my head that, you know what, at the end of the day, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but just voice that speaks negativity into you. And I couldn't find a way to just stop the voice from speaking uh, until I started drinking. And if I would drink, then it would just quieten the voice. And it wasn't like I just drank every day all of the time. It would just be, you know, here and there. But I found that to be a way to self-medicate for the stressful things that were going on all around me. See, people will find a way to deal with their stress. Did you know at Christmas time, one of the ways that people deal with the stress is honestly, it's just to get angry. They don't know how to handle their emotions. So they just get angry. Did you know at Christmas time that domestic violence just goes through the roof? In fact, at Christmas time, the emergency services, whether it's the fire brigade or ambulance or the police, they roster on extra people because they know what the season is like and they expect there to be a spike in the domestic violence that happens uh, all across the state, all across this nation. It happens in every single state because people don't know how to handle the stress that's coming into their life. And I start to think about this and all of these stresses and all of these things that go on, they are all external factors. And do you know what's really sad about all of the stresses being out there It seems to be the case that all the stress that can be around you has a degree of authority over you. You know why? Because 
when stress triggers a response, when it triggers a, a, a way to self-medicate, when it triggers anger, when it triggers these things, that tells us that there is a degree of authority that your season, that your circumstance, that your situation can have over you. And I just wanted to tell you tonight that that is not the plan that God has for your life. God doesn't have a plan for you to be totally stressed out about everything that's going on around you. So we come to Christmas and we like to sing Christmas carols. Hands up if you like Christmas carols. Yeah, we love them, you know. Have you heard that song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing? Do you know the one I'm talking about? Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the Newborn King. And then what's the next line? What does it say next? Peace on earth, right? That's what we sing. Is that not what we sing? Don't we say, you know, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth. Now, if you're here tonight and you are not a Christian, you don't go to church very often, you are probably in good company tonight when you look around and you think, really, that's why Jesus came? I mean, you're in the same boat as all the other Christians that might be sitting around you right now. If you take a quick look at the world, you will discover it's not such a peaceful place. Is it? You look around and you're like, peace on earth? This is the reason why Jesus came? Have you looked at the world? Like, okay, I'm not going to be the one to tell Jesus that he failed. I'm not. I'll leave that up to you. You can tell him about it, right? I don't want to tell Jesus that he didn't deliver what he set out to achieve. Do you know what's ironic about it? It says that Jesus came to bring peace on earth. And Christmas time is when we celebrate his birthday, yeah? So at the time that we celebrate the birth of Christ, which exists to send the message that there's peace on earth, we celebrate that message by becoming the most stressed we've ever been in the entire year. Does anybody else think that this is kind of ironic? To me, it's kind of strange. Unless the message of peace that he was bringing was not the message that we thought it was. What if the message of peace that Jesus brought wasn't the kind of peace that we had in mind? You know when it says peace on earth, that's actually a scripture. And if it's all right with you, I thought that tonight what I would do is I would read out where that scripture comes from so that we can have a frame of reference to understand about where this peace on earth comes from. You with me? All right, so here's what I do. I want to read to you out of Luke chapter 2 and begin in verse 11. And it says this. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now this message is being relayed to some shepherds. And it says in verse 12, And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Verse 13, And suddenly, And suddenly, There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying. Now, before I tell you what they were actually saying, just listen to this part here. It says, and suddenly. So you got an angel speaking to some shepherds and they're listening and they're listening to one angel. And then suddenly 
The whole sky is filled with angels that are saying glory to God in the highest. Can I suggest to you that what appeared to be sudden to the shepherds was not sudden. In fact, it was there all along, but it was only at the right time. It was revealed to them what was happening in the spiritual realm. In other words, think about it like this. There is often times in your life where God is doing something and is totally veiled to you. And he was there all along. And his presence is there all along. And you don't know that he's there. And then in a moment, what feels sudden has just been consistent throughout your life. But it's only in that moment that has been revealed to you. The angels that we read about that were all there, they didn't just arrive all of a sudden. They weren't going to miss the birth of Jesus. They were there the whole time. It's just that the shepherds had something revealed to them spiritually. And suddenly they saw with eyes afresh And it says there that they saw with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, and this is what they said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So when we sing the song, we say, hey, peace on earth. And then we just say, and mercy mild. Peace on earth, mercy mild, right? This says something a little bit different. It says, peace on earth among those with whom he is pleased. And I guess you kind of got to figure out who he's really pleased with because the people he's pleased with are the ones that get the peace. I suggest to you that Jesus didn't fail in in the peace that he was bringing. It's just that the peace that he brought was a different kind of peace to the one that maybe we were expecting. In fact, I want to read a scripture to you. It says this in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. This is what Jesus said. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. See that? He says, I'm giving you peace and I'm leaving it with you. But the peace that I'm giving to you is not the peace that you're expecting. It's not the peace that the world is expecting to see. See, when it comes to the things of Jesus, I'm telling you right now that he had a purpose. Jesus had a purpose. His purpose was peace and peace had a price. Jesus had a purpose. His purpose was peace, and peace had had a price. Let me tell you something a little bit about the peace that Jesus was giving. See, for us as a church, we believe in this thing called the gospel. And the gospel is this incredibly positive, encouraging message. And to understand it, I need to sort of start at the beginning, which would tell us this story that, Us as people, we are not perfect. In fact, even from the very first people that were created on planet Earth, pretty quickly we discovered that we make mistakes. And Jesus said, or God said that the standard to to be for him to be pleased with you, the standard was perfection. And let's be honest, you already know this. You're not perfect. Every single person in this room knows that. Even if you don't believe in God, you still understand that you're not perfect. And so the gospel message is this. You're not perfect, you never will be, and the good news of the gospel is that you'll never have to be. 
Because here's what happened. God looked upon his people, knowing that we would never be able to deliver ourselves from the biggest problem that we had on earth, which is sin. And sin, for the record, separates us from the presence of God. And that bridge needed to be crossed. And it was never going to be crossed by any of us because we weren't going to be perfect enough to cross the bridge. So the gospel message is that God sent Jesus, his one and only son, Jesus came and he lived the perfect life that we could never live. And he gave that perfect life to us. And he took the punishment for our sins that we deserved, right? And he took our punishment and he gave us his, his life in place of ours. That is what I would call a beautiful exchange. That is the gospel message that God loved you so much that he was willing to put himself on the cross and pay the penalty for your sins. If you understand the gospel message, you should at least see this. Jesus killed himself to get to you. And you know why he did that? He did it because he loved you. And you know who God is pleased with? God is pleased with people that he has a relationship with, and that comes through knowing Christ. This is the best thing about this message. It says, peace on earth to all with whom God is pleased. That offer for him to be pleased with you is on offer to anybody that wants to take it. And here is the promise that he made to people that decide to take him up on his offer. The people that follow Jesus, we call them disciples of Jesus. And Jesus made a promise to his disciples. He said, I will never leave you. And I will never forsake you. You know that word forsake? That word means to be abandoned. That word forsake, it, it means to be deserted. It means to feel helpless. Jesus said, I will never leave anyone that follows me in a position where they will ever have to feel abandoned or hopeless or helpless. That's a promise he made to his disciples. And you know, there were so many of us that actually do understand that message. I mean, if you've been in church for five minutes, you probably already heard somebody share the scripture before. And even though we know at different points in our lives, even though we know that he'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us, can I ask you a question tonight? Has there been a time in your life since knowing God that you've felt helpless? Has there been a time in your life where you just feel like the peace that you've got has begun to vanish? What situation has unfolded in your life where your peace has begun to be disturbed? I don't believe that anyone is peaceful all of the time. That You can just face whatever comes and never worry about it, never stress about it. Do you, do you know what the opposite of peace is? I thought the opposite of peace was war. It's not. The opposite of peace is insecurity. It's to be insecure. That's the opposite of peace. And see, this is what I find there to be a relationship with. Have you ever noticed that as your security begins to increase, your peace will follow it? Have you ever noticed that? 
that the, the more secure that you feel, or how about this, the more in control you are of your circumstances, the more secure you are. As your security begins to increase, your peace will follow it. So your peace is attached to the level of your security. I think that's probably why the scriptures say that a rich man's wealth is like a high wall in his imagination. See, Sometimes when people are really, really wealthy, right? And this is what the proverb is all about. It says that they start to believe that their wealth can insulate them against the problems of the world. If you're wealthy enough, you can get out of most difficult situations. And if you're wealthy enough, you can start to build a wall around you. It's like a high wall, but the scripture says, but only in your imagination, Because even the most wealthy people in the world, all they would have to discover is that they've contracted a serious illness for which there is no cure. And suddenly all of their security would begin to crumble because wealth can only take you so far. You see, as your security increases then your peace increases. But if your security begins to decrease, there's a relationship there with your peace and your peace starts to evaporate. You will have peace in your heart or feel most at peace when you feel most in control and most secure. And let me tell you why I'm talking about this. You need to know that in the next day, two days, A week? A month? A year? Fill in the gap with your own time frame there. And the next week, two days, a month, a year, whatever, something is going to happen that is outside of your control. There will be a situation that you have to deal with and there will be nothing that you can do about it. You won't be able to control it. And if you only have peace when you're in control, You are going to lose it. I can talk to you about this. In fact, even in our family for, you know, the past probably six months, we've had some significant challenges, especially in the last three months. For those of you that wouldn't even know this story, let me just share it really quickly. So my wife, uh, Sarah, my Sarah, she gave me a call uh, a couple of months ago, and she said, hey, I just wanted to let you know that I'm on my way to the ER, emergency room. I said, okay, well, tell me what's going on. She said, well, the left side of my body has gone completely numb. I can't feel it. I'm like, what do you mean? She says, yeah, the left side of my face, I can't feel it. It's, it's all numb. So, so I'm going to the ER, and uh, and I'm going to try to find out what's going on. I said, oh, I said, it's terrible. I said, look, I'm going to meet you right there. So I left work and I, I went to see her and uh, I walk into the emergency room and there she is in the bed. And as she lied there and, and she wasn't feeling well, I mean, obviously one of the things that I did is I prayed for her. I'm praying for her, you know, as God heal her. But I'm looking at that situation and I promise you this, I am looking at a situation that is totally outside of my control. There's just nothing I can do about it. And so the doctor comes in and they begin to speak to her. She stayed in there for about five days and I would go in in the morning and then I'd stay till sort of late at night and I'd come home. And I chatted with the doctor one of these days. He said, well, we need to run some tests on her. They said, because, you know, 
if, if something has gone numb in her face, then the problem is probably somewhere located somewhere in the brain. So we've got to figure out what that is. I said, well, you know, come on, doctor, like, what are we looking at here? What, what are the possible things? He said, well, it could be MS. It could be the beginning of MS. Or, or you know what? It, it, it could be that she's had a stroke, and that's why the left side of her body has gone numb. And I started to think about and entertain some of the things that this could be. I don't know what it is. I thought, gosh, is this brain cancer? Like, I, I don't know. So one night, you know, I, I, I go home, and I'm sitting at home, and my kids are staying with my parents basically the whole week. And I, I'm at home, and it's just me, and it's late at night, and I'm sitting on the couch. And how many of you would know that when you're left alone with your thoughts and you've had bad news, that your mind can begin to entertain the possibilities and, and just be your mind is so creative in a very bad way sometimes, you know? And so my, my mind began to be very creative. I started to think, you know, what happens if we find out that this is a really serious thing? And the reason I felt like that is because, you know, you know the next day we were going to do the tests and the next day I would find out the truth whether my wife had a serious illness or not and so I'm sitting there all of these things going on inside of my mind and you know what I began to do I I just started to pray I mean this is out of my control there's nothing I can do so I'm feeling pretty bad about everything and I just started to pray. And then let me tell you what my prayer was. My prayer wasn't, God, where are you? Because I know he's good. Like I didn't, I didn't start to think, you know, God, where are you? And, and I can't believe you left us in this situation. It wasn't like that. I said, I said God, I know you're good and I, I, I know this and I understand this. I, I felt maybe like those shepherds. Like I, could, I just couldn't see him at work in my circumstances, you know? And so, as I said, I, God, I can't see what you're doing here. And I, I don't understand what you're doing. And I, I started to remember the promises that I just read to you, which is the fact that he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And even though on that night I felt like I was home all alone, I tell you something comforting. I understood in that moment that the Spirit of God was right with me in that moment. And every prayer that I said and every word that I uttered and every thought that went through my mind, God was over all of it. He knew exactly what was going on. In fact, he was way beyond it because he exists outside of time. It's just that I was stuck there and I started to just pray. And I, and I tell you what, I, I, I didn't really remember this at the time, but all I was doing was just what the Bible tells us to do. It's what the Bible says to do. In fact, let me, let me read to you exactly what the Bible says. This is The scripture that comes out of Philippians chapter 4, it says this in verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Hey, uh, maybe I've got a really simple faith, but um, what did it say to not be anxious about? Yeah, that's pretty vast, isn't it? Anything, a lot can fit into the category of anything. Anything could fit into the category of of anything, it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. everything. That's another expansive word, isn't it? But in not some things, not one thing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, which is to be specific about your need and tell him what it is, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. By the way, I love that thanksgiving comes before the answer does. I think that that is a sign of someone that really trusts and believes in God. You start giving him some praise before you even see his power at work. Why is that? Because there is a principle that praise will often precede power. It shows the trust that we have in our Savior. So 
all things by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the what? And the what? Peace. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Because there are so many times in your natural mind when you look at all the things that are going on around you and in the natural you think, wow, this stuff should really have me anxious by now. This stuff should really have me stressed out by now. I should be worrying and, and, and sick in my stomach. But it says the peace of God, which surpasses what you think you know about everything that's going on in your world, that will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. How good is it to have the kind of peace that would guard your, not only your heart, which is often representative of how you feel towards God, but your mind. And I tell you, on the night that I sat there on the couch and I was praying to God, oh, I needed the peace of God to guard my mind. Because my mind could go in any kind of direction. And let me tell you something, true story. At that moment, I felt the peace of God begin to come into my world because I knew that God was with me. And very importantly, that He was for me. Do you know how important it is to pre-establish that God is for you before you have a tragedy strike? You don't want to leave that thing open to interpretation. So in the middle of your situation, like, God, have you left me? Where are you? Like, you don't want that to be the thought that comes into your mind. I've already established that God is with me. So I knew him. Peace began to come into my heart. And the kind of peace that I'm talking about, it's a, it's a peace that's inside out. It starts inside and it begins to work its way outside. There's a peace that came into my heart where, where I didn't have to pretend on the outside like everything was okay. And here's the thing about the peace that God was giving to me. I didn't even need to be in control of all of my circumstances. I didn't need to control a thing. I just had a peace that was on the inside. You know, the, the word that Jesus used for peace when he said, the peace that I give to you is a Hebrew word called shalom. And the word shalom, it carries the absence of conflict and the notion of blessing. And it works in all seasons. Isn't it awesome that you could have conflicts going on just all around you? Like all the external factors that I talk about, all the stressful things that could be going on around of you. And yet on the inside, there's no conflict. On the outside, you could be stressing and on the outside, you should be worried and everything is, according to at least your understanding, should have you concerned. But on the inside, there's no conflict. There is a peace that's on the inside. I'm telling you right now, it works in every season. I didn't tell you that you'd have an answer immediately in every season. I'm saying that you can carry the shalom, the, the peace of God into your circumstances. Don't believe me? Well, how about this? The guy that wrote this scripture was a guy by the name of Paul. We call him the Apostle Paul. And as he's writing this scripture, this is just a letter that we read, by the way, that he wrote from prison while waiting to be beheaded. I think he's got something to say about peace. Here is a guy that is waiting to be beheaded. 
And he starts saying, hey, 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 you can have some peace. Let the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Let me tell you something. He had to be the living embodiment of the letter that he was penning at that time because in the natural understanding, he was waiting to be killed. And you say, well, maybe he was just trying to encourage everyone else, but he was actually freaking out about it at the time. Not really. Because if you get your Bible and you just flick just one page back, he says in this same letter, Oh, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. He says, Oh, you know what? Um, if I live and I make it through this, if I if I make this, if I make it through, you know, um, this will be so good because I can continue to disciple you. I could continue to 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 teach you and, and that would be so good for you. Oh, but what it would be to die. Like, he's actually happy about it. True story. He can't figure out whether it's better to live or die. He says, if I live, I'll help you. If I die, I meet my Savior. Oh, gosh, really tough choice. Like, what, what's the win here, God? You tell me. Because I, I, I could really go for a beheading right about now, you know. Like, uh, true story. This is the guy that wrote this letter. This is the peace that, that can come into your heart that surpasses understanding. You know, Jesus, uh, let me tell you, that situation that Paul was in, that would have been quite the storm in a lot of people's minds, but he still handles it. You know, Jesus, he came and spoke to his disciples after he was resurrected and he, and he walked into a room and he said, peace, you know, and, and, and he said, I will send you out in, in peace. Do you know how that story worked out for those guys? So just a little recap history, recap for you. Of the 12 disciples that Jesus had, one betrayed him, one made it through but was tortured, and the other 10 were martyred. And he said, I send you out into peace. You know what I think he was saying? I don't think he was saying, your life is going to be so good just for the rest of your life. You will never have, you will never have conflict. You will never have a season of opposition in your life. You'll never face challenges. You'll never face circumstances that are beyond your control. That wasn't the promise that Jesus was making when he said to them, have my shalom, have my peace, have the absence of conflict. There was another kind of peace that he was talking about. I think he was talking about not the peace that is all around you, but the peace you begin to have with God. That's what peace on earth is all about. It's not peace everywhere out there. You know what? Just start to follow Jesus for five minutes and you'll start to figure out that the world's not such a peaceful place. Don't believe me? Put your belief on Facebook. See how that turns out, you know? Like, I'm telling you right now, there is just conflict everywhere and, and, and opposition will come to you. Jesus is not promising you the absence of conflict for the rest of your life. He's saying in the middle. In the middle of opposition can have peace that surpasses understanding and on the inside you just have the absence of conflict you know that you're blessed why? because you know him you know him and because you got that and there's some peace that you can have in that and I don't know what your storm is I don't know what your season is maybe honestly for you your storm or your season is it might actually be Christmas. Christmas is a really stressful 
time for you. It's just hard. There's lots going on. There's multiple events you're trying to make it to. You're tired. There's work functions at night. There's all things that are going on. You've got to do Christmas shopping. You haven't done it. You know, online shopping is not going to get it to your house in time. Freak out. You know, like, I mean, there are things that you're just worried about, right? Maybe, honestly, for you, it's Christmas is just a stressful season. Maybe it's because of the financial hardship that you will go through as you go through that season of life. Maybe the, maybe the season for you is just a relational one. It's got nothing to do with Christmas. But, you know, come on, let's face it. At Christmas time, you have to see all of your relatives that you don't see during the year. And maybe there's something uncomfortable about your family. There's some conflict in your relationships with people that are around you. Maybe that's your conflict. That's your storm. That's your season. Maybe the storm or the season for you is the fact that there is a sickness that you have or a diagnosis that you've received or some depression that you're facing or some anxieties that's just gotten in your soul. Maybe you're like I used to be and there is a voice inside of your head that continues to speak that you would love to drown out and you've been looking for a way to find some peace and you've self-medicated. Maybe that's your story. I really don't know. Here's what I promise you. In the middle of your current season, you can still have shalom. You can still have that peace that comes from God. And let me tell you something about this peace. It's a peace that comes on the inside first. And then it begins to happen on the outside. If, you, if you're trying to have peace on the outside, but look, to be honest, on the inside, you're just anxious all the time. Your stomach is in knots. You always worry about things. You're an overthinker. Things are going on in your mind. Your mind is so busy all of the time. And maybe if that's where you are, do you know what? You give the appearance of peace, but it's not real. You know what I've learned about not real? It doesn't last. Eventually, you'll begin to struggle. Eventually, you'll begin to suffer. But that is not God's plan for you. God's plan for the people that follow Him that He is pleased with is that they would have some peace in their life, that they would have the shalom of God in their world. God wants to give you some peace. And so here's the thing. If you want peace, just talk to God about your season. It's not difficult. Just talk to Him about what's going on. That's all I did that night. When I was beginning to entertain all kinds of thoughts or ideas, that's what I did. All I did is I just talked to God. Did you know that the, the Spirit of God, that His Holy Spirit, is actually a counselor? That's one of the things that we call the Spirit of God. He's a counselor. I wonder how many of you have been counseled by the Spirit of God. Maybe you don't know Him like I do. Maybe you think that every time that you go to speak to God, He's just disappointed in you again because you messed up this week. Hey, 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 you're saved by grace through faith in Christ. If you haven't heard the counsel of the Spirit of God in your world, can I tell you something that is very exciting for you tonight? Your relationship can get a whole lot better than it already is. There are parts of your relationship with God that just like those shepherds, it's completely obscured to you. You can't see it because I promise you this, God wants to start bringing some peace into your life. He wants to start bringing into your world. Did you know that one of the fruits of the Spirit is peace? Love, joy. One of the fruits is peace. 
And it's not just something that you have to pretend like you've got on the outside, but it's something that you carry deep on the inside. And when you start to get that peace on the inside, you can start to walk through the middle of conflict and through the middle of the most difficult circumstances and you can still be a person of peace, still carry that peace with you. And I know about you, but that sounds pretty good to me. I would love to carry that kind of peace for the rest of my life. I'd love to carry that no matter what season I go into, no matter what circumstance I go into. And maybe for you tonight, honestly, there is something that's been making you anxious. There's something that's been making you worried. Whatever it is, can I tell you this? That your God is big enough to deal with the situation that's going on in your world. You know why you should pray? Because when you begin to pray, it reminds you of how big God is. Can I tell you something tonight? Your God is so big and your problem is so small. True. Your God is so big. When you begin to pray, you begin to orientate your mind around that. That's why Jesus began his prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. We first orientate our our minds around how big our God is. Your God is so big. Your problems, they're so small compared to the bigness of your God. And it doesn't matter what could come up whether it be a diagnosis, whether it be a relationship, maybe it's a money issue, whatever it is, I'm telling you tonight, I make you this promise that whatever you're facing, it is no match for the size of your God. Can I tell you, He is the Lord God Almighty, that everything that could come against you has to still bow to the name of Jesus, that there is no weapon formed against you that shall prosper. These are words that God put in His book so that His people would know how big He is, how magnificent He is. We sang it tonight, how glorious He is. And maybe tonight what you've got to start to get is a picture of how big, how great, how mighty, how magnificent, how powerful your God is. And you start to get that. You'll be surprised what happens to your anxiety and your fear as you start to reflect. Reflect on how big your God is. Why don't you stand to your feet tonight? Hey, thanks for listening to the Activate Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you are encouraged today and we would love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to activatechurch.com.